0: If you've ever thought, why in the world is my wireless bill so damn high? Then let me tell you about our friends over at Mint Mobile who we're partnering with for today's video. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for as low as $15 a month, and you don't have to sacrifice any coverage, speed, or data. They're built on the nation's largest 5G network, so they keep costs low by selling directly to you online. They cut out the retail stores and the salespeople. All Mint Mobile plans include unlimited nationwide talk and text, plus lightning fast 5G and free mobile hotspot. So why should you have to pay for more than you have to to access the same network it only takes 15 minutes to switch and you'll be paying as low as $15 a month for your phone plan it really is that simple so use the link in the description below try mintmobile.com backslash chargers unleashed to get started click the link in the description below or scan the qr code are right, you checking in with mike wins from the la chargers and you're tuning in to chargers unleashed Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Kepner and Dan Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, is being brought to you by BetOnline, Aura, Athletic Greens, Mint Mobile, and Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first time tuning in to the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Walkenstein. Dan, there's an actual football game being played this week with the Chargers on Whoa. the field against a different team. Whoa. Whoa. Oh my god!
1: <laughs> I'm sure the team is so excited to play someone other than themselves. What happened? <laughs>
0: we're
1: there. We're literally there. The team is playing the same city, though. Like it's LA versus LA. So I
0: mean, yeah, preseason okay. game. Regardless, you don't have to travel, which is always nice. Yeah, but still, actually being able to hit someone with a different jersey on—not a close. bad thing. We're not close. a bad thing.
1: But before that, though. This past weekend was full of training camp, scrimmage. Jake, you were there live on Saturday, and then Sunday we had a scrimmage, so we got to talk about all of those things. Uh, Some really interesting takeaways and some developments that we have to discuss here. Yes. Jake, before we get to that, how are you, my
0: friend? How was your weekend? Weekend was great. Saturday's atmosphere was awesome. Thankfully, the Chargers decided to practice on the opposite field because myself... Thankfully for you. Thankfully for me, (laughs) yes. Yes. I, I really commend all the rest of the fans that were in the stands braising that heat because it was not easy. And for anybody that didn't have binoculars that couldn't really see what was happening on the opposite side of the field, just to wait until practice was done to get along that fence line and possibly get autographs from the team. I commend every single one of you that were out there. But Saturday was a good day. Interesting day of practice. There was no pads on on Saturday. Um, like you said, interesting standouts that took place, updates that we learned. Things that are still kind of in limbo that were a little bit of a surprise to us on Saturday. They were still kind of waiting on some answers for with some context. But Saturday was a great practice. Um, felt really good about certain players that we'll get into in a little bit. And obviously, as Dan mentioned, the inter-squad scrimmage that took place yesterday, which seemed to be very competitive, Um a lot of things to go over in that. So we're basically going to recap the entirety of the weekend. What stood out, biggest storylines, where we're, where this Chargers team currently is as they're headed into those first preseason games with the Los Angeles Rams.
1: And uh, don't look now, but we may see a more mobile Justin Herbert if we are taking anything from what we saw from this past weekend into account as we extrapolate to the regular season. But Jake, before we get to that, got to pay the bills. Let's talk about our friends over at Aura who are doing identity theft prevention you and I—we've talked about it for a bit. Uh, both of us have been uh, privy to this, as we have been victims of folks trying to become charges unleashed, or at least try to get the information of our listeners and viewers so they can steal identities, things like that. I don't realize why they, they just don't ask. <laughs> just ask permission. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's they're, not right. nice. <laughs> <laughs> they're not that nice. Not that nice. Aura, sponsor the show. Let's talk about them for a bit. Uh, give us what 47 seconds, and we'll be right back to talk a little bit more about this. Chargers. Offense, defense, and impressions that we have gotten from the weekend
0: of a training camp. Have you ever Googled yourself and were shocked to see your personal information exposed on one of those public listing sites? (gasps) Data brokers are making a fortune selling your information to robocallers, spammers, and others who want to learn more about you, like where you live. We've been trying to reach you concerning your car's extended warranty. That's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, Aura. Aura can identify data brokers exposing your info and submit opt-out requests on your behalf And brokers everywhere are legally required to remove your info if you ask them to, but they make it super hard to do. So let Aura handle that for you. You could try Aura for up to two weeks using this link that we're going to put up here on the screen. Aura also does so much more to protect you and your family from online threats that you cannot see. So make sure to check out Aura.com backslash Charters Unleashed to get a 14-day free trial and see if your personal information has been leaked online.
1: So, Jake, you were there live in color on Saturday for the training camp that ensued in Costa Mesa. Uh, I will give you the reins, my friend. Uh, what were your biggest
0: takeaways from Saturday? So, again, it was it was a non padded practice on Saturday. So, we're not talking about the contact that we were used to seeing for the majority of this past week. So, interesting things that took place. One, number one, it was good seeing. Uh, Trey Pipkins back out there on the field. I know he had returned early on in the week, but it was still nice to see him out there. I know Sunday was a different story for him going in and out of the inner scrimmage, but still it looks like outside of any new update that possibly we haven't heard, Dan, that he's okay after that because I did hear that he went in and out. Um, I'm not sure if it was, again, more of a precautionary thing, but definitely don't want to hear about those offensive lineman injuries. That's for sure. Um, in terms of who stood out, in that Saturday practice. Kenneth Murray has just continued his, basically it was how you could chalk last week up to, you know, praise Kenneth Murray week because Kenneth Murray was getting praise from Eric Kendricks, from Brandon Staley, from Derwin James, from Sebastian Joseph day. And he's kept up this impressive track run of consecutive days of making an impact in practice. Now, if this was an actual game, because Kenneth Murray did have just a little bit of a, I forgot where I was type of moment out there on the field, because again, we're talking about non padded practice. Kenneth Murray shot through the gap. If this was a real game, it would have been a beautiful play shot through the gap, unblocked, but literally took down Justin Herbert, just number one cardinal rule that you just don't do in practice whatsoever. And I was on the backside of the field. So, Kenneth was going that way. I couldn't tell as far as, you know, if he was what his speed was when he hit him. I'm hoping to God that he slowed down at that point in time. It didn't look like because he shot in there so fast. And again, we're talking a regular season game. It would have been a great play by him and a great Great, sack. But so everybody on the sidelines just kind of going like. There was, an, there was there was there was not a, touch the red there was, a, there was a collective yelp if you will just like oh ah oh somebody somebody yells like like yo like what was that like what are you doing and you could hear it along the sideline with everybody just talking about like man what was that but he returned a few plays later that off of an Asante samuel forced fumble ball goes up in the air kenneth murray catches it it takes it back for an interception so he has been around the ball virtually all camp And I know yesterday during the inner squad scrimmage, he was making some other good plays in in that particular practice as well. Um, Other players that stood out from Saturday, Dan, Dan, JT Woods probably had his best practice. Now, we're talking two passes defended in in 7-on-7s and 11-on-11s. One of them would have been for a touchdown that he ended up breaking up. Again, nothing to shout at the moon for. But in terms of what we've been waiting to see from JT Woods... You kind of got a little bit of a glimpse of that. So he had a nice practice. Um, Quinn Johnson again, you saw it everywhere. Had another highlight, real catch that happened literally about 15 feet from where we were standing on the sidelines to watch him come down from it, it was great. Joshua Palmer, I again, I, I have talked about this as far as Kellen Morris comments about who basically who cares about the wide receiver three label. Palmer had a spectacular practice on Saturday. And if you guys happen to catch the press conference that Joshua Palmer did afterwards, um, very interesting question that was asked that Palmer gave this answer to essentially Fernando Ramirez was talking about his progression as a wide receiver, still asking questions and learning from Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. And there was a secondary question that Fernando piggybacked on top of that to where Joshua Palmer's answer was I'm in the playbook so much that I will wake up in my room and I will practice running routes. It's like, this is the type of dedication that Joshua Palmer is putting into this season. And you can clearly see that it is translated on the field out there in practice. Um, Real quick, Jake, what do you wake up in the middle of the night practicing? Nothing. I just, (laughs) I get up and I kind of have that, you know, I go in and I'm brushing my teeth and one eye still type of clothes. I'm still like half asleep, half awake type of thing. So yeah, I, don't, I don't wake up with the nerve to get up and be that active. Even though I'm going to the gym, I, I don't wake Humble up with brag. that type of I not don't, I don't wake up with that type of energy. I'm sorry. I, don't, I do not do that. Um, interesting defensive lineman rotation that was out there, Dan, because obviously we learned early on Saturday that kind of out of nowhere, and I was even asking Jeff Miller about this, Sebastian Joseph Day was not out there practicing. It hasn't been practicing, obviously, the past two days because of a injured quad. And I asked Jeff Miller at that point, because I know he was on practice on Friday. I said, Did you know anything about this? He's like, No. It was like that literally was a surprise to all of us for that coming up on the injury report. So now it's been uh reported by Brandon Staley after the inter squad scrimmage yesterday that it is a quad contusion for him. So obviously nothing significant that's going to keep him out for a long period of time, but hopefully Got something that he could recover back quickly enough that the Chargers would have him ready for week one, obviously. Essentially a quiet, um, so your defense is. <laughs> right. And on top of that, the, there has been this I'm not sure if it's food poisoning or whatnot, but there seems to be some illness that's been going around Chargers camp where, first of all, it was, I believe, if I remember correctly, on Friday, it was Rashawn Slater and Gerald Everett were out because due to illness. Then by the time you got to Saturday, it was Rashawn Slater. Gerald Everett and Joey Bosa that were out, and then by the time you got to Sunday's scrimmage, add Quentin Johnston to the list. That that these were all guys out with. with Sounds like 2020. So your your defensive line rotation on Saturday's practice literally was from left to right. You had Khalil Mack, Christopher Hinton, Matt Locke, and Chris Rump was your starting defensive line that you had. So imagine imagine what you expected. Imagine that. Uh, But there were some good reps from uh, Chris Rump that we had seen in that practice and then even in the inter-squad scrimmage yesterday of him getting after the ball. So I think he's in practice as far as what we have talked about in this show, Dan. Um, He's shown up the last couple of days and that was a nice little surprise to see. And then... uh, Again, I don't have my my notes in front of it. I'm trying to just kind of backtrack as far as some of the um, big plays that were done. John Hightower just is still going. He's still going. And another touchdown grab on Saturday and another long pass on Sunday. And everything just still keeps going up for John Hightower and the potential wide receiver six Um wide receiver six position for him for possibly making the 53-man roster. And finally, Dan, I got a chance to ask uh, special teams coordinator Ryan Fitkin about this because Dustin Hopkins was out on the field on Saturday. Again, non-petit practice, but he was out there literally walking with the rest of the of Cameron Dicker with, uh, with J.K. Scott, just walking with the special teams unit he was out there on the on the far th- third field essentially just you know working off to the side doing whatever rehab he needed to do but i asked ryan fitkin the first question um, in the press conference as far as if there was any update from him because all we had heard about was cameron dicker and he basically said you know i'll i'll wave off on those comments until coach speaks to them on sunday and brand Staley didn't have too much more to say in that regard just Eluding to the fact that there was, there is something that he is going through physically. So, still don't know much on that front. But there's your kicker update, and that's the latest that I've got. Doesn't bode well for
1: Dustin Hopkins. And it's one thing if Dustin Hopkins is not out there, and Cameron Dicker is, you know, kicking okay or poorly or even above average, but Cameron Dicker is balling. <laughs> Hundred percent of his kicks were made in scrimmage. So I don't want to say that the kicking battle is a hundred percent over, but I don't know how much far how far far away it is from a hundred percent, because Cameron Dicker has given no reason for anyone to think he's not going to be the starting kicker on this team. None. No. None. So then fast forward. And there's some names that you had mentioned on Saturday's practice that I think kind of held true to Sunday as well. And I think one of the themes that I want folks to start paying attention to is kind of like the underbelly and the depth names that we're starting to see make plays. So we're talking about like the Mark Webb's, the JT Woods, the, the Ty Shelby's David Moas, Kenneth Murray's of the world. And we're not talking about like the, the all-stars on this team. We're talking about the depth pieces and that rang true for Sunday And in short, I don't know what the bigger story is. The offensive line struggles due to folks being out. I think three offensive linemen were not there. Or the defensive line just absolutely wreaking havoc. And when I say wreaking havoc, I'm talking sack frenzy from Khalil Mack, Kenneth Murray, Tully Tupelo had two sacks, Morgan Fox, David Moa, all those guys had sacks. Then you saw pressures from multiple people. And folks just getting lit up all day on the offensive line. And again, Rashawn Slater is not out there. Trey Pipkins played limited snaps, not out there much. Uh, I think Will Clapp was also not out there either. So they were having to rely on folks like Foster Sorrell at left tackle, uh, Austin Pleasance at right tackle. But the defensive line, even without some of the interior guys, Sebastian Joseph's not there, Tito's not there, Uh, Austin Johnson, not there. These guys are getting home and getting home often. Bigger
0: story, lack of offensive line depth slash success or defensive line wreaking havoc. I think they kind of go one in the same, Dan, they kind of do go one in the same, but it is nice to obviously not having some of your key offensive linemen out there is an issue. Um, Again, Rashawn Slater's still dealing with the illness. Trey Pipkins was in and out of there. Zach Bailey, you mentioned, who had been getting reps at left tackle uh, was not out there as well, so it was strictly Foster Sorrell's job. But I I guess I would probably lean more towards the defensive line because some of the names that you rattled off there, even without a Sebastian Joseph Day or an Austin Johnson or a Tito, here comes Morgan Fox still doing Morgan Fox things, which is great to see in practice. But to see Tuli 2 get Too after fast. it yeah. Too as, fast. He, as fast as he did. Ty Shelby that you mentioned, Dan. Gerard Clark forcing a fumble on Isaiah Spiller, which right now, I know we said last week that it just felt like there was such a log jam at interior defensive line. It may not be that way in the, in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> if everyone was healthy, it's a log jam. Right. So effort. so hell, taking advantages of, of situations where you can find them, that was nice to see from a lot of the youth and undrafted free agents from this team, essentially, as it relates to that un, uh, Excuse me, that interior defensive line. So I'll, I'll, I'll skirt it slightly on the defense that it was a bigger story from that standpoint because, I mean, yeah, against backup offensive linemen for Justin Herbert, you would kind of expect that. But again, to see your rookie second-round pick, one of your undrafted free agents to go out there in the same practice, do work. Still, for this defensive line to get a pass rush in the fashion that they did. Yeah, that was good to see. Yeah, and then
1: you add in there again, names you hear multiple times. Morgan Fox, you mentioned, Kenneth Murray had a big run stuff as well as a sack yesterday, which once again, these names are starting to ring true lots of times. Um, one thing I picked up on, Jake, that I think is a big deal and kind of gets me excited is seeing Justin Herbert kind of. Not necessarily out of the pocket, but further than that, actually taking off with his legs and not just taking a quick knee for a three-yard gain or not just kind of running out of bounds real quick or tossing it away. You're seeing him, like, make juke moves and run for 15, 20 yards. And it's hard for me not to kind of draw parallels of what you've seen from Dak for the last couple of years. And you've seen Josh Allen do some of these plays where they're actually making moves with their legs, purposeful moves, and not just avoiding people. Um, You saw one highlight from there on camp, Justin Herbert doing it. I think it was Kenneth Murray who he... I don't know if it was any juke Kenneth Murray or Kenneth Murray just wasn't going to touch him again, but he was out in open space and Kenneth Murray didn't touch him. Uh, Justin Herbert on the move and using his legs... Not just to extend the pocket, but to get first downs via the ground. Like, that by itself transforms the offense. Don't even talk about Kenneth, like, Kellen Moore and all the offensive weapons. Just him enabling himself, and that's probably because Kellen Moore is telling him to do this, but just him doing that. Not only is that effective, but the threat of that being effective will open things up for the offense. So, I saw that, and that kind of got my eyes perked up a little bit of like, oh, like,
0: okay, I like this. I think we kind of all forget that Justin Herbert got injured in week two last year and probably wasn't able to run for a multitude of different reasons other than the fact that you shouldn't take unnecessary hits. Dan, I bring this back to, you know, Remember when Justin Herbert had the game against the Pittsburgh Steelers two years ago, where mm-hmm. we really saw his wheels in motion. That was Justin
1: Jackson, the game, right?
0: That was the, uh, I can't recall. Maybe it was, I think it was Justin Jackson. Yeah, game. You're, you're right. You're right. But that was Justin Herbert using his legs in a multitude of different ways that helped the chargers ultimately ended up winning that game. But to your point, I'm not so sure if it's a product of Dak, but here is just Kellen Moore looking at the blueprint of Justin Herbert to say, okay, what is the, the best you know blueprint that we can get out of him to make him a quarterback, or excuse me, a next-level quarterback, if you will? Well, the day before John Johnson was signed with
1: L.A., the other L.A. team, John Johnson, <laughs> if you haven't heard, goes to the Rams, goes back to the Rams. Uh, the day before that, we saw safety production again, and this is not just... Alohi Gilman, who continues his impressive camp. Uh, but we're also talking about Mark Webb now with the pick six. And been a minute since we've seen like Mark Webb's name. And we remember how he was coming into like what two years ago? And then now, like, okay, Mark Webb. Sock up. Pick six on Easton Stick. Again, we're not talking about Justin Herbert here, but had a pick six. Um Elohi Gilman, JT Woods,
0: and Mark Webb all having standout performances. Number one, Dan. Mark Webb, I feel like, needed, just like in himself, needed a little bit of redemption after the one-on-one with Keenan Allen that took place earlier on last week, <laughs> that, that everybody saw <laughs> the ridiculous route that Keenan Allen ran on him. Alohi Gilman had a great weekend to compile on what he's already done in camp thus far on Saturday, Justin Herbert overthrew Keenan Allen and Alohi Gilman made a great diving catch. And then on Sunday, as we've seen in some of the footage that has been played, uh, he was just right place, right time, right there off the tip ball that went off of um, Joshua Palmer's fingertips. And Alohi Gilman was right there to make a play in an interception. So Dan, I I said this because you mentioned John Johnson five minutes ago and I know a lot of people, us included, have talked about the potential of John Johnson being out of this team. I know a lot of people were upset, strictly just from the standpoint of there really isn't much depth behind your starters as it relates to the safety spot. Not Derwin James depth, for sure. Co- correct. So, God forbid anything happens to Derwin James, to Alohi Gilman. Literally, there is a lot of inexperience behind them as far as coming in as a replacement at safety. So, It was obviously reported way back when free agency started that it just made sense for John Johnson to reunite with Brandon Staley, familiarity with him going back to the Rams defense. And then you just kind of didn't hear anything. And then here comes those free agent signings that starts to happen, watch injuries start taking place. And I truly felt, and Dan, I said this during our live show last week, I truly felt that if the Chargers were not secure in how they perceived the safety room at that point in time that they would have they would have signed John Johnson the way back when and it would have been done already clearly the way that Alohi Gilman has stepped up to the plate for coming into his first year as a full-time starter Nasi Ratterly departs retires Alohi Gilman played fantastic down the stretch when the team needed him to last year and has kept that going in the first two weeks of training camp thus far so the Chargers, namely Brandon Staley, Derek Ansley, I think they're totally secure in their starters at safety. Now, keyword in their starters at safety, yes, starters is the word. I feel like I want to say it's a bold strategy. Cotton, we'll see how it works from not from the standpoint that Alohi Gilman can't do it, but as just we've seen with injuries in a particular position, with that one, it is a little bit risky. It is a little risky, but outside of that, Alohi Gilman has had a great camp, had a great weekend securing two interceptions, um, and you really just can't help but be impressed in how he has stepped up to the plate. 100%.
1: 100%. Now, the offense did kind of come through late. Now, you you did hear reports of Jester Herbert executing like a 17-play, 60-plus-yard touchdown drive. Uh, That was with some of the starters not in scrimmage anymore. So like Derwin wasn't out there. Eric Hendricks wasn't out there. But still got the offense going. Uh, Keenan Allen got in the back of the end zone against Jazir Taylor for a touchdown. I think it was Austin Eckler got in for a touchdown at one point uh, as did Joshua Kelly I believe also got in for a touchdown during red zone drills. But overall it seemed like the offense was kind of stuck in the mud due to the defense and due to the kind of lack of time because of the offensive lineman not being there. Uh, But you're seeing the defense closing, I think, is one of the themes that you and I had talks about that this Chargers team needs on both sides of the ball. Like, they get opportunities, but when the opportunity presents itself, they have to finish. And it seems like we're starting to see more of that. Again, we'll find out more as pads continue, as the joint practices continue, as preseason starts this week. But that's the theme. Like, can they finish on offense with touchdowns? Can they finish on defense with turnovers and with sacks and turning over, you know, the the chain, so to speak? So far, looks like that's improved. And I think one of the things that I'm looking forward to as this week leads into the weekend of preseason is the tackling because there isn't much tackling going on right now, but when it's against the team, that stuff gets ratcheted up and it's cool to see those other names start to pick up some steam like David Moa, Ty Shelby names that are trying to make an impact on this team. Could they make the roster? It's going to be tough, but even if it's from a practice squad standpoint, the underbelly is what needed to get improved. Seemingly, it's better than last year. Um, any other kind of key takeaways? We saw Michael Davis and Samuel Jr. both have some good pass breakups during yesterday's scrimmage. Uh, Derwin James doing Derwin James things. Anything else either from the podium or from the scrimmage itself that stood out to you?
0: One observation that I had from Saturday's practice, which was just great, and again, I think that this... Rings true in what you're talking about, Dan, in terms of, especially if we're just going to pigeonhole talking about the defense for a second, we're sitting there and, you know, they're breaking individual drills and we are just waiting for them to go to whatever drill they're going to be running next. And all of a sudden you just hear, I hear this yell come from the right side of the field. And I just see Derek Ansley sprinting from one spot to the other. He's coming to the defense. He's the the huddle of the defensive players, literally just yelling at the top of his lungs as if he's like coming behind someone to scare the crap out of them. And he runs right in the middle of this player huddle and he breaks everybody down and they just all go go straight from there and running through the bag drills. And it was just like, that's just an example right there to see what Derek Ansley is. Now, I, I, I understand that as far as We're not talking X's and O's here. We're just talking about him talking about he can be whatever type of coach that he believes that he needs to be for the players at any given moment because he is definitely fiery when he is on the sidelines, whether he is cheering up his players or chewing them out off of a mistake that may may have happened on the field. But it's, it's interesting just to see the dynamic because at the podium, seems very calm, cool, collective, but it just already has a grip on this defense for the fact that obviously he's been a part of it for a couple of years now formerly as a secondary coach. but you could see how the players are already responding to him, and I just love that little three seconds of snapshotting that that took place that just it just goes a whole way and Dan to your point. I think, again, both the messages that Derek Ansley and Kellen Moore are sending on their respective units is aggression, is aggression and what they want to do. And so setting you, the tone, and I think it's setting the tone,
1: you just didn't, like, Ronaldo Hill and Derek Ansley are very different coaches. Not that either one is better or worse, but Ronaldo Hill didn't wasn't a set-the-tone type of coordinator like Derek Ansley is. And I think on defense, when you have the characters and you have the playmakers, like sometimes and oftentimes, this team needs that tone setter coming from the top. And when you're seeing Derek Ansley light into folks, we've seen it multiple times.
0: You didn't see that much over the last couple of years, Dan. I'm I'm interested because you know people obviously still talk about the defense being under Brandon Staley's control, which I I still fully understand that and agree with yeah. it but I think you're going to see a little bit more of Derek Ansley holding the defensive reins in this, or you're going to see his fingerprints influence all over this.
1: Yes. And I think it's less influence on the scheme, but I think it's more influence on the execution of the scheme. Like, I think that's the the dichotomy is like, yes, it's Brandon Staley's defense. He's the one drawing up the X's nose. He's the one that's creating this thing and making it run. Derek Ansley is the one that takes that scheme and implements it to the players. So yes, it's Brandon Staley's defense, but the imprints, if you will, the influence of Derek Ansley, I think, will be massive. I think that's the part that hasn't been translated. They haven't translated Brandon Staley's defense to the players. Now, can Derek Ansley translate that defense and break it down to where the players get it, and the players can execute and not think. We saw how good the DB room was last year under Derek Ansley. If that can translate from the DB room down to the linebackers, down to the defensive line, as a collective unit, then you're cooking. And I think that's what Brandon Staley is betting on with Derek Ansley. And why everyone talks about Derek Ansley so highly in this kind of coaching circle amongst the Chargers is like, that that's what he does best. So I'm with you. And the aggression, I think, from Kellen Moore. It's kind of interesting because I think Kellen Moore and Justin Herbert kind of have a similar personality. Where, like, you kind of see them. Like, they're not, like, this crazy, fiery guys, which obviously they can be. But, like, their their baseline temperament is kind of similar. Like, you see the mic'd ups of how Justin Herbert's been. You see the mic'd up of Kellen Moore. They're not, like, you know, they're not like Derwin James' vocal they're not like the Joey Bosa, Keenan Allen, where they're just ripping people. Like it's a little subtlety to them. So uh, everything has their way of working, but the coordinators seem to be gelling quite well with what Brain Staley is looking to execute.
0: One more touch on there, Dan, because you had been you've been talking about, especially from when you've been at a camp and you've and you've seen it. Getting back to just fundamental football, and you had talked about it, again, just the tackling portion. (laughs) Ryan Fitkin was talking about that during his press conference on Saturday, basically just because I had presented to him, you know, talking about his improvement that he had done for the special teams unit last year. How is that going to translate to this year? How can they get better And again, he went back to the whole just tackling fundamentals aspect. And then Brandon Staley follows it up on Sunday. Once again, (laughs) just saying that's the difference of making yourself a better football team. And the quality of a football team you are is literally in terms of going out there, tackling and preaching the fundamentals. But you can already see, even if we're we're watching a padded practice or a non-padded practice, these guys are flying all over the field, and at least they are right there in the vicinity to be there to make a play.
1: Yeah, the, the competition...
0: Brandon, yeah, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say, and Brandon Staley, when he was talking about this, he alluded to last year. This is what Brandon Staley said, quote, explosive plays. We gave up far too many last season, and tackling was a big part of that. That had a big factor in our run defense as well. Tackling leads to your special teams, and your defense, it's so fundamental to your team. We're going to make sure that we spend a lot of time on it. How many times, Jake, did we see one missed tackle go the distance? Turn into five? <laughs> sure, yeah. And turn into 50 yards and a touchdown and a cloud of dust. The, the team's not stupid. Like, they know. <sighs> If they could just fix the tackling on defense, just that alone, like leave everything the exact same and fix the tackling. They should it do seems like time. it
0: seems like it's such an easy thing to say and an it's easy Eric thing Kendrick. to do. But you see this from many different teams where it's players out of position or players that you know just are unable to finish tackling the easy stuff essentially as it relates to football in general. But no, sometimes that is literally the difference between good teams and, you know, mid to poor teams in terms of how they go out there and perform. So I, I the reason that I like to bring this up is because I feel like this competition that you have seen for a majority of this camp between the offense and the defense is a reflection of that message that's been sent. And again, it looks like it is with been with Brandon Staley. It's been with Derek Ansley. It's been with Ryan Fitkin. And that is just like the overall message to say, look, let's perfect the easy things. Let's perfect the things that we can control. And then we're going to be able to get better everywhere else.
1: Yeah, like there, there's nuance to lots of things. But like, if you can't tackle, you shouldn't be on a team, period. Like, that's like, if you can't throw a ball, you shouldn't be a quarterback. Like, if you can't tackle, you shouldn't be on defense. Like it's kind of if you're a cornerback running a four, seven forty, it's not going to be that successful. If you can't run. You shouldn't try to cover. Like it's th- that's the stuff where like, there needs to be some baseline of like, look, if you can't do this, like you don't have a job. And I think that's kind of the accountability aspect that we've heard a little bit of rumblings about as well. Kind of shine through Jake went a little long today, but wanted to cover both days Uh for folks who have not already done. So again, we have a huge giveaway. Uh, August 18th, I believe, is going to be the last day to enter for a signed Quinton Johnson giveaway uh, in support of a rock-solid sports memorabilia, The Bolt Show live signing event up in Anaheim at the Marriott Suites. It's on our pinned tweet at LAC underscore unleashed. You can go ahead and check out the giveaway. uh, Get your chance to win the jersey. Uh, Jake, anything else? You want to tell the great friends on this Monday afternoon, the week of the first charges preseason,
0: we're there, Dan. Ah, we're there. We're there. We're so
1: close. Um, who's gonna win?
0: <laughs> Do we care? Final score. <laughs> I can't first. I'm point. hoping it's either like six three or like forty one. I love that you send this because there was somebody. I can't remember what network it, it was or what show it was that literally played the day after the Hall of Fame game between the the Jets and the Browns. But the question was, po- was poised. Is it a big deal that the Jets lost in the Hall of Fame game? It's just like, <laughs> to quote Allen Iverson, essentially, we're talking about practice. Practice? But a, a meaningless game here. A game where both starting quarterbacks didn't even play. Uh, no, Dan, I don't care about the final score. Obviously, I would like to see the Chargers <laughs> win. It's more watching certain individual players that will be of interest that you're going to be watching how they perform. What players are going to be getting certain reps with certain units, which I'm sure will be rotating over the next uh three weeks or so here. So that, that will be interesting. Get, to I see. can't wait to get into that. Because I think yes. that, that's
1: going to be a preview episode on its own right of like the guys that you're going to need to kind of get out your magnifying glass to see is that guy in with those guys? And
0: how's that guy doing with those guys? I think it'd be interesting because I know how much Quentin Johnson has been blowing up lately, and I get it. Saturday, he was practicing with the second team. And Joshua Palmer was getting a lot of work with the first. Now, again, I'm not talking about him winning the out wide, wide receiver three job because in reality, in this this offense it's already been stated, it doesn't matter. You're going to have four good receivers that, based off of practice, are going to be on the field at the same time. So who cares? And that's without the known commodity
1: of what happens with Jalen Guyton or right. whoever the other receiver is going to be on the
0: team yes and then finally then in certain positions where depth is needed and guys that are that we have talked about the possibility of making the roster how are they going to perform so no in the big picture final score means silly squat to me I don't care <laughs> okay well um, exciting times week one
1: of the preseason is upon us uh, we'll get into all of that here later in the week Uh, But until then, for Jake Heftner, Dan Wolkenstein, Chargers Unleashed, and LA Football Network, thank you so much for tuning in,
0: and we'll talk to you next time.